0: We're going to open up our Bibles, if you have one, to Matthew, the ninth chapter. We've been teaching, this is the third week, on something we've titled, Plenteous. And um, many times, you know, a title can describe uh, various and different things. Uh, But this, when we talk about Plenteous, is right here in these verses. Uh, In Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38, it says, Then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. That's where we got the name, plenteous. The harvest is truly plentiful, so that means there is a full-blown harvest in the world of something. Is it corn? Corn? Is it, you know, what is it that, that's so plentiful that the Lord stopped them and said, Guys, the harvest is so plentiful, but the labors are few. Then he said this, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. So whatever this big harvest is, it's his harvest. But notice he didn't say, I'll harvest it. But it's his harvest. Now, will he help us to harvest whatever this harvest is? Yeah, and we understand there are various things we're to harvest in our own lives. The Bible said whatever you sow, you get to reap, right? But here, this is an area where he, you have not sown. and But there's this big harvest, and he said, don't worry about it, it's my harvest, I'll take care of this. Notice he never said, I'm going to do anything here. He said, uh, the harvest is plenteous. The the issue is laborers. And what is a laborer? You know, in our day and age, uh, we have what we call day laborers. You know, many times, you know, there are places you can go hire a laborer. And what does a laborer do? A laborer basically comes like if you need labor at your house, they come to your house, they kick back, drink your lemonade, swim in your pool, then you send them back and you pay them and you go, thank you, you're a wonderful laborer, right? That's what a laborer does. So like when you get hired for a job and they're like, this is going to be a lot of work, you're like, that's not what I'm getting paid to do. I'm getting paid to kick back. I'm a laborer. Right? Some people are like, I'm not sure about that. No. When you enter what the world calls the labor force, it's descriptive. Isn't it? Now, all of us have done probably different things in our lives, but it's labor nonetheless. Somebody said, well, they labor less than me. Well... You're going to have to take that up with them. But here, he said, there's a huge, plenteous... When I think of plenteous, I think you're not going to run out, no. right? And he said, but the laborers are few. He basically said, there's a huge harvest and we've got a problem. We've got a problem. And he's Jesus... God in the flesh, and he's like, huge, not enough. Huge harvest, not enough people to do something about this harvest. And what was the harvest? The harvest was humanity. It was other people. I wonder this, if um, in our lives, and maybe not you, but, but maybe others, that are in the kingdom of God that have already received the Lord, that they're not conscious of a harvest. They're not conscious that there are things that need to be brought into the kingdom of God that need to be harvested. What is a harvest? It's you know we talk about the harvest times when you go get fruit off of trees, you pick them uh, for benefit for for you. Here, this benefit is for the kingdom of God for God, so that that the fruit doesn't rot. say, what do you mean? Well, if trees are not picked, then the fruit just falls on the ground and it rots. This fruit doesn't fall on the ground and rot. This fruit unpicked ends up in hell for eternity. But the question is, if there is a lack of laborers for this, Massive, plentiful harvest, and the consequence of not harvesting is huge. Then what did the Lord say? He said, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors into his harvest. Now notice what he said to them. You guys in this section pray that others go into the harvest. That's what he said. But he didn't tell you to pray about yourself going. Notice the next verse, verse 1. And when he had called his 12 together or to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And it goes on to name them. Then he sent them out. He didn't ask them. To pray about themselves going. He said. You're responsible to go. You're responsible. To see the harvest. In front of you. I think one thing about reaching people. Is becoming conscious. Of their need. But really not from our standpoint. Of going. Oh yeah. They're jacked up. If anybody needs a savior. It's them. Those guys, they're fairly good. They may not need one. No, that's my perspective. That's your perspective. The ultra-rich, the ultra-poor, the in-between, the good, the bad, the ugly. Doesn't matter who it is. Male, female. Confused. <laughs> they all need a Savior. They all need to be harvested. Harvested. And a harvester labors to gather this fruit. Turn to John, uh, the fourth chapter. Jesus actually talks about this kind of stuff often. And it's interesting that he wanted people to be conscious of this. Now, we teach people, be conscious of the Holy Spirit. We should. Be conscious of God's promises. We should. Be conscious of being kind and loving one another. We should. But when it all comes down to it, this is an underlying issue. This is an underlying thing. This we need to become conscious of, aware of. It was the underlying issue why Jesus came to the earth was to get humanity back to God. Or you could say it like this, whoever would. But people just don't do it by themselves. I've never been growing up, you know, in Southern California, driving through the Central Valley, ever saw plums fall off of trees or you go up through the almond orchards or, you know, and all the different things. I've never seen the almonds just fall off the tree and run over to the packing plant. (laughs) Just a little almond. (laughs) You know, a bunch of plums fall off. And they just kind of run over there to the packing plant. Anybody ever seen that before? It, it, other than in a cartoon? But wouldn't it be foolish to uh, get ready to have like, you know, you're out by this big orchard. And it, it's just huge, you know, full of trees with apricots or whatever on it. and Or peaches and we're getting ready to harvest it you get all the laborers ready on the side and then they go let's pray about it then they pray the whole day what we need is more prayer if there's anything we need it's more prayer we need more power let's pray for the power Lord give us power right now For this harvest, let's fast the third day. You know, the only time that harvest is going to come is when you get out there and you say, now go out there and pull on that peach. You ever gone to pull on one? Sometimes you got to twist them a little. Sometimes you're going to go get somebody, you got to twist them a little bit. Maybe you were that way once. But if you think about it, if the harvest is plenteous, you need laborers, is prayer bad? No. I'm, if anybody believes in prayer, I believe in prayer. But at the same time, prayer alone won't get some jobs done. I knew you guys would be excited about this. John 4 Verse 28. Notice this. Jesus just runs into this woman who is a Samaritan who's kind of outside the promise. The Jewish people look down upon these people um, because they just weren't the chosen ones of God. We would say it like this. They're not a Christian. But in verse 28... When she had this encounter with Jesus, his disciples were gone. They came back. She takes off. In verse 28. It says, the woman, this is the one who had this encounter with Jesus, left her water pot, because they were at this well, and went her way into the city or back into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Well, you got to understand what she did was she had been married once, twice, three times, four times, five times. Now she's committing adultery and uh, not living with the person she's with. And Jesus told her this without even knowing her. He didn't condemn her, He just told her. She was confronted with reality and she was like, Whoa, you must be the Savior, the Christ. So she goes back, leaves her water pot at the well, goes back into the city. She obviously wasn't condemned, but she was now curious to what she has run into. She said in verse 29, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Well, she went to the man, not to the ladies of the city. She's been with multiple men. And they're like, this ought to be interesting. But they go with her. Notice verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came to him. They heard about him. And what they heard was this could be the answer that humanity has been looking for. This could be the Christ. This could be the Savior. So they're curious about it. And so they go out there. She compels them to go. Then we'll read in verse 35. We'll skip a couple of verses. And Jesus, his disciples have come back. They're now, this crowd is on their way with, with this woman. And verse 34 or 35 says, Jesus said to his disciples, Do not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. I guess they had a saying, kind of like the church. One day there's going to be a huge harvest of souls that will come into the kingdom. And he said, don't say that anymore. do Have parents ever said certain things to you when you were a kid, your parents? Don't say that anymore. Maybe we don't hear that anymore. But back in the day, I remember, don't say that. You know, you hear parents say, don't say that anymore. Why? Because it matters what people say. So Jesus said, do not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Then he said, behold, or when we say the word behold, we're like, look. Look. Well, what's he saying? Understand the context of what's happening right here. Jesus is standing there. This woman has had an encounter with him. She believes she's found the Savior. Anybody who finds the Savior wants to let others know. Remember, you know, different disciples? They came, and then they would go find their friends and their relatives and bring them. We we believe we found the Messiah. And here... Same thing happens. So she goes and she gets a whole town full and drags them in. And they're thinking, wow, we, we may have an encounter with the Savior ourselves. So here they come. And in this context of them walking, marching out through, because they're out in this well, they're not in the town You've got Jesus talking to his disciples saying, listen, do not say, and they're marching, that the harvest is coming, and they're marching. Don't say it's four months away, and they're marching. He said, behold, or look. Well, what could they see? Crowd of people. Don't say that the harvest is four months away. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. And look at the fields. One translation or other translations, more than one, says, open your eyes. Could we live our lives and not have them open? Could we go to Costco, Walmart, the fair, wherever, and not have our eyes open? And not see them for what they are. co workers Neighbors. People we come in contact with on a regular basis. Have we ever looked at them like their harvest material? It's an interesting thought. Because if, if Jesus wouldn't have brought this up to them... You wonder. Because he told them, open up your eyes and don't say this. So they're seeing people all around, but they're not seeing the plight. You know, what if the world was like on a highway, and they are, the Bible said, the whole world is on a highway. And they're all headed down this broad path that leads to destruction or eternal damnation. What if those people were each in a car, going down a highway, and you personally were near that highway, and you knew there was a bridge out down the road? Would you try to flag some of them down on the side of the road and say, stop, stop, now you're not probably going to go get in front of them, but you would probably think, slow down, stop, pull over, wouldn't you? I mean, care if you knew the bridge was out? And, you know, I mean, if the bridge is out and it's a foot drop, you're like, well, they didn't stop. Their suspension's going to get messed up. That's on them. I tried. But if you knew that the bridge was out and the drop was 200 feet, and, they, and there was, if they fell, it's over, and they're flying down. The other side of it is this. If they knew the bridge is out... But do, do we communicate that the bridge is out on the highway of life? And that when you come to the end, the sad thing is that the world doesn't teach the gospel. You, you can turn on the news. As soon as somebody dies, doesn't matter who they are. Rest in peace. Why don't they be honest and say, they could be screaming in torment right now. I wonder who reached them. It's for everybody. It's a free gift. It's not hating the world. It's loving the world. But to give everybody comfort and every time someone dies to say, they're in a better place. Well, good. (laughs) They're all in a better place. Well, wait a minute. That's not what Jesus said. He said, the fields are white unto harvest. And he said, don't say someday there's going to be a harvest. Because what happens if this theology is correct? And I don't doubt there is an element of truth that there will be a great harvest. But there is one right now. But if we're waiting for a big one, and let's say, let's say, Somebody right now is 95 years old here. They got saved 30 years ago. And in that 30-year period, they haven't seen the great harvest, that they've been waiting for a great harvest, waiting on a great harvest, waiting on a great harvest, and then they pass away and go on to be with the Lord and never saw it. Then they wasted 30 years of harvesting. What about their friends as they're waiting for the harvest to come flying in? They go off into eternity. It's not to make everybody afraid. It's to make everybody open up your eyes. And realize that there is a harvest. And he said, do not say, verse 35... There are still four months, then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look for the fields. They are already white for harvest. They're already ready. There are people ready. And if it was plentiful, we said this two weeks ago, if it was plentiful then, when the population was much smaller, it's way more plenteous today. And then if if there's not a huge harvest... It's because there are few harvesters. And so notice what it said in verse 36. And he who reaps or harvests receives wages. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. How there in, that we've seen there are different kinds of crowns that you can get. You can do certain things, work to do things, and get a crown. And one of them we looked at and talked about was a soul winner's crown. And how it's for those who when the Lord deals with them and they see, they go reach. And here it says, if you look, they receive wages. That means if you'll labor, it will pay off. It will pay off for those people and it will pay off for you. Our motivation shouldn't just be for us, but it should be first toward the Lord, then toward those people. Because if it's about us, we might be like, well, I might be embarrassed. But in all reality, if you were in their shoes wouldn't and you were opposing, wouldn't you still want somebody to come and reach you and not give up on you? And he said he reaps, he he receives wages, and he gathers fruit. But what kind of fruit is he gathering? He said fruit for eternal life. So this whole harvest that we've been talking about is fruit that will last forever. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's things I buy at the store or Costco, and you think, I can't buy all this because... This is not fruit for eternity or eternity. This stuff's going to be molding really quick if I'm not you know don't eat you know strawberries today, tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, or I got to freeze them because this is an eternal fruit. But he said, the kind we reap these people we get, this is a forever thing. You're ransoming them for For forever. But then just right on the other hand. Then what is lost. Is for forever. And so he said. Both. Or he said. And gathers fruit. For eternal life. That both he who sows. And he who reaps. May rejoice together. Now you understand this. Jesus sowed. His life into the earth and died and rose so that this harvest would be possible. Turn to John 10. And so one thing Jesus plainly taught here is become conscious. The first time he said the harvest is plenteous. Well, if it's plenteous, wouldn't that be just a fact that everybody would automatically know? He needed to tell it. Then he said, open up your eyes. Have you looked at the people that are around you and the state they're really in? You have to open your eyes to see it. Because what is the state they're in? They're either saved or they're not saved. They either have eternal life. Yeah, but they go to church. Or yeah, but they're religious. No, Jesus said broad is the path. Narrow is the way. In other words, it's a wide path, but there's only one way. Jesus said, I am that way. So it's not an issue of, well, they're good, or they're nice. It's an issue of, have they received the free gift that God gave? This isn't being mean. This isn't being bigoted. This is caring enough to tell the truth. You with me? Or as the Bible would call it, having compassion. Notice this in John 10, verse 10. It says, the thief does not come, John 10, 10, but except to do this. Why does the devil come to people? You know, he's a great negotiator. He really is. He'll give you something to take something from you. Oh man, if you do this, life's going to be really good. You're going to know between good and evil. God doesn't want you to have this because you're going to be robbed because you'll be like him. Do it. Oh, you mean I might miss out on something? He negotiates. His end game is stealing. Stealing. His end game, oh, but it'll be fun, it'll be okay, it'll be fine, you can always change later. He's coming with an ultimate purpose to get a hook in, people. And he comes to steal even though it doesn't look like it. Remember when he came to Jesus in Luke 4? He said this to him one time. He said, if you'll bow down and you'll worship me and, you know, not be fully consecrated to God, everything you see, I can give you because it was given to me. That was a true statement. When Adam sold out, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan is the God of this world. He's behind the things that happen. God is not in control of Everything. Because God wouldn't do evil to us. We know that. And so the scripture's clear. Even when Jesus came and confronted demons, what did they say? Have you come to torment us before the time? In other words, you don't have a right right now. Remember him saying that? Jesus didn't say, Oh, you're a liar. I can do whatever I want to do. No. Because they, man, surrendered. And so he's like a false lying negotiator. So what did he do with Jesus during the temptation? He said, if you'll just compromise your life, bow down. I'll tell you what. I am going to give you all of this good stuff. Everything you could get later by obedience... I can give you something right now. It was a total compromise. Because some people think, well, the shortcut is the best way because you can get it now. Well, the problem with the shortcut is, is usually there strings attached. And there were some real strings attached. Jesus said, no, I am not going to do that. I'm not going to bow down for you to give me this. I've said this before. One time I was reading that and the Lord dealt with me and I saw something about politics in there. And, and immediately I was like, wow, this is interesting. I know who God is for and I know who the devil is for now. You say, what do you mean? The devil wants to put anybody in power who will bow to him. He'll give you these things. He, Who is his candidate? The one who bows to him most. Who's God's candidate? The one who will yield to him most. I didn't say either one are perfect or either one are saved. It's who will yield the most. Well, that, that praise the Lord. Still the truth. That's how it worked back then. He was just... He doesn't come to work deals except that ultimately steal, kill, and destroy. What's okay, you can go ahead and just do that one time. It won't hurt you. How many have ever... We know that about potato chips. <laughs> but there's bigger stuff. You know what I mean? That it, it, there, It's way broader. And so John 10, 10 said, The thief does not come except... To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now the next says, I have come. You could say it like this. I haven't come except that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What was the purpose of Jesus coming? So that the world could have life abundantly. Now, this word would be blind to us unless you look up the definition. Then you realize this statement is huge. When he said, I've come that you might have life, the Greek word there is zoe. You know, it's become kind of a little trendy name, you know. Oh, what's your daughter's Zoe, that's a nice name. But do you know what? Zoe means Z-O-E. It literally means, the Greek means God's life like he has it within himself. So Jesus basically made this huge statement. He said the purpose of me coming into the earth was so that mankind could have God's life in them individually like he has it himself. That's what the harvest is about. Those of us who have received this life. Becoming conscious of the fact that you have a quality of life. That only is possessed in God. That comes to you through Jesus. That you now are to share with others. So you could say it like this. I need to be conscious that I have this. I've been harvested. Then I need to be conscious that the world does not have this. Then I need to be conscious of this fact. The world needs me. The world needs me. Bad. Meaning you. Oh, well, the Lord could do without me. No. It was so much that way. He said the the harvest is plenteous. The labors are few. I need more. So when people say, well, the Lord doesn't need me, that is just not true. He needs you, and not only does he need you, the world needs you. Why? Because you've already got this Zoe life. You're to be aware that there is a world without this Zoe life, this God quality and kind of life that changed you from the inside and is still working on you. If you've received the Lord and the world needs this and a harvested soul literally means one who has received Jesus as their Lord that eternal life went in them this quality of life can be in anybody you with me and so when he said I have come that they might have abundant life well that's apart from stealing That's apart from killing. That's apart from destroying. God did not want the enemy to run roughshod over his creation. He doesn't like when his creation submits to the enemy because what happens is his creation gets ripped off and gets robbed. And that's not what God wanted. So he said, listen, I'm coming. And But I'm going to die, but I can't stay here forever. So I'm going to leave this totally in your hands. and, And you are going to be responsible to, once you get this life, to give this life. Now, you're not giving away your own where you don't have it. But Paul one time, one of the writers in the New Testament, who used to persecute the church, was so moved this way one time in his writings. He said, I wish... I, because he knew the reality of this life. He knew where people were going. He knew people's needs. He said, if I could be cut off from Christ and suffer hell, that the Jews would be saved, I would do it. Wow, that meant he, and he knew. He had seen the Lord, but he was so moved for other people, he said, if it could mean just me going to hell, I, I I would want, I would do it if I could get everybody else in. Whoa. But he knew that wasn't the cure. But he genuinely meant that. But what is it? This harvest needs eternal life. When When you cut a, A plum off of a tree, when you cut a cherry off of a tree or pull a cherry off a tree, the minute you pull it off, it starts dying. The minute you harvest and people get eternal life, they don't start dying, they start living. They pass from death to eternal life. They come into a state they've never been. Some people who are mean to you would be the most wonderful people once they got eternal life. They just need somebody willing, and God will work. Let's turn to Proverbs 14, and we're going to close right here. Proverbs 14. I think it's worth it for us to be aware. You know, when we come to church, we're conscious of the fact, man, God's moving in here. He's doing something. This feels good and i'll tell you what how many of you want to be more conscious of this so we pray so we worship the lord we spend time we're dedicated to get here on a sunday night get in a home group you know send our kids to youth to children's whatever to get involved so that they become conscious and live for the lord because we want them to have this life and we get conscious of it and say this is worthy There's a world that's not experiencing this. What would they do with this? Probably get turned on like you. So we don't want that. Right? We don't want... No, we do. That's exactly what we want. But you want to see it from God's perspective, not your perspective. That we're still being transformed, even though we have life. Proverbs 14, verse 4. It says this, Where no oxen are, the trough is clean. But much increase comes by the strength of an ox. You know, some people, you know, you're just a cow. No, no. You're an ox. What what is he saying here? Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, or the barn, the stable, the place where they eat is clean. What is an ox and what is an ox used for? An ox is used to go get a harvest, to plow the field, to work the thing. When there are ox working. He says. Much increase comes by the strength of an ox. You know ministers are called oxes. But believers are. But if there is no use. If the ox is not being used. Then there is not much increase. Increase doesn't come by my wonderful preaching. Some of you are quite amazed right now. No. Increase comes from the ox's Oxen. Well, I made that up. Meaning they're out there plowing. They're out there reaping. They're out there in the field doing the stuff. And by their labor, then... There is much increase. Notice that phrase. Where no oxen are, you could say it like this. If there's no ox working and there's none of this going on, there's no increase. I don't know about you, but how many want much increase? Has God talked to us about much increase? He said, but much increase comes. Notice, it doesn't say much increase is dreamed about. It doesn't say much, you know, that the Lord prophesied much about much increase. He said, actually, much increase comes. Is there much fruit or plenteous of harvest out there? Yeah, Jesus said that. But notice what he said. But much increase comes. How does it come? Well, let me tell you. You ox. Somebody's like, don't you be calling me that. Mmm. Um, by the strength of an ox, or in other words, the power of its work, brings how much increase? Much. What did the Lord want when He said, "The harvest is plenteous." What did He want? He wanted much harvest. He wanted plenteous of harvest. But notice, He said, it does not come until the ox starts doing its thing. And when they do, much increase occurs. How many have dreamed of in four months there's going to be a great harvest? Jesus said, let's stop that and let's get it now. And let's not dream about what will be in four months. Let's have much increase now by the strength or the work of an ox. We should have had name badges. Ox. Right? Because isn't it true though? By the strength of an ox. Now we're not calling people names. Don't, don't bring other names of animals into this. There's other names of animals that are not always appropriate. But this is descriptive, and I don't know about you, I like that phrase, much increase. That means that we can start getting increase off one person doing this. Somebody's like, good, I thought you were going to ask me. No, Jesus said it to all of us. So think of why they had some increase the way they did in the New Testament. And I'll close with this. There was one time where the church was being persecuted so bad In the book of Acts. And it's really the story of the early church. That they got so persecuted. The Lord had told them. I want you to go out and reach people. But they started getting persecuted. And they were not reaching the people. The Lord said. But it said as they were persecuted. It said they were spread. And everywhere they went. They shared Christ. With the people they went to. That means. They were doing it there. But once they were pushed out by persecution, they did it everywhere. They were supposed to be doing it without persecution. If we go somewhere, it would be good for us to do the same thing. Preach Christ. Share. Bring them. Because we know this, if they come here, we'll tell them the gospel.